Have you come to gloat? I have that, and I think I might have left my zoom here. I don't. Have you, uh, no, I, no? No, it's, no uh, nothing here but a little zoom. profound sense of betrayal. This is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 24 for the week of March 28th, 2011. I am Abrupt Needle Scratch, David T. Cole, and I'm here with one man, Joe Reed, and Academy Award nominee, Tara Ariano. So many people to thank. It's a throat-clearing kind of day. <laughs> it really is. I gotta, Sorry. I apologize. Guys. I have a frog in my throat. I mean, I do it all the time, but... Yeah. So, uh, quickly... From our clip at the beginning, let's apologize to Killface from Frisky Dingo for somehow forgetting to put him in our favorite aliens from number 23. That's a huge oversight on all our parts. Yeah, we were calling on it. I disgusted with all of us. I felt actual human guilt when I read that. I was just like, no, (laughs) Killface, I'm sorry. I would have subbed him out for Chewy. I'm sorry if I thought of it. Yeah, we were called on it and they were right. uh, It's not because he's not our favorite alien, because he is. We just somehow, we forgot. I can also imagine a scenario where one of us picked Killface. Face and one of us picked Simon because Simon's pretty great sure, too. He is. Yeah, and we can never go back to. You Arizona. don't want to have a bowl of cereal around him. No. But <laughs> otherwise, all right. Indeed. So we're sorry, Killface, mm-hmm. and I hope uh, our apology is accepted. It quite literally was like Arizona all over again. <laughs> so, uh, do you guys get uh, whiplash on Thursday from watching uh, Community and then watching Archer? Because there was some quality disparity, disparity, disparity. <laughs> <laughs> In case people aren't sure what which side you're you're uh, you're <laughs> yeah. repping for, uh-huh. people are sure which side you're repping yeah. for. Oh, Obviously, it's the God. Archer side. <laughs> oh, community! It was it was watching this Archer episode. It was such a clear uh, distinction between doing an homage to something obscure yeah. in a way that is a complete obstacle to anybody who isn't familiar with the source. Mm-hmm. Yes. And doing an homage to something obscure in a way that lets everybody laugh anyway. I hadn't seen mm-hmm. either. I had never seen that episode of Magnum P.I. that was referenced in Archer. Right. And I'd never seen My Dinner with Andre. The, th- the community episode made me... F- it was an actual impediment to me <laughs> enjoying the episode. <laughs> make you furious and, and, make you, and it made me never want to see the movie either. Which right? I haven't. Right. No. I, exactly. Because I'm a Wait, Philistine. You're not off dinner, are you? <laughs> This, this changes everything. Yeah. I hate dinner. I hate people named Andre. We're going to have hate cardigans. And we're going to have lunch. And we're going to have a meal at midnight while we're not calling dinner. No. I just... It was... It was... It felt actively offensive to me in a way that was like, fuck you, this is what we're doing. Yeah. If you don't get this, if you don't... If you don't find this funny, if you don't... If you're not on board with this, then... I don't know, just felt exclusionary. I mean, I felt that way about a lot of episodes this season, but definitely this was, as I said, as it ended, turning around to Dave, a new low. And I mean, as I was starting to say to you earlier, like the reaction to this episode and God bless everybody who loves the show and is getting enjoyment out of it because somebody's got to. Yes. But um, this is not a judgment on anyone's judgment. No. This is just our own personal opinions. And if you love it, that's great. But this whole idea that I'm judging you, whoever you are. (laughs) That, like, if you want laughter out of your sitcom, mm-hmm. then you're sort of aiming for something low. As I compared it to watching <laughs> pornography to jack off to it. Like, 
I feel like that's how I'm being made to feel. Like, well, if you like to laugh at your comedy, I'm sure you wouldn't like it. Right. Sorry? (laughs) Right. Okay? Right. And this is an argument that people make a lot about a show like like Nurse Jackie or United States of Terror, where they're like, I don't know why it gets submitted in the comedy category. They're not funny. They're actually kind of disturbing. Right. Or the or whatever. But those sort of seem to exist in a kind of a no man's land. And the only times that are ever really considered comedies Mm -hmm. are when it comes to something like the Emmys, because the Emmys don't really have that middle ground. So they're forced to choose one way or the other. Yes. I feel like community is situated very much within the sitcom realm and its strengths are in its comedy. Yes. So when it doesn't do that, it feels like it's withholding Mm -hmm. to make us appreciate it more. I also thought it was funny. Last night I watched um, this week's Law & Order SVU, which, Mm. again, so now that you know that I watch it and I DVR (laughs) it and watch it at a later time, I don't even just throw it on to watch it while it's on. You can judge my opinion of community based on that too and that's fine. Sure. I'll own that. But in the middle of the episode, there was a promo for this week's community because it aired on Wednesday, of course. Uh-huh. And it totally highlighted, it made it seem like it was going to be a Pulp Fiction. A Pulp Fiction homage, yeah. Yes. So even NBC was like, fuck this episode. We're going to promote it in a way that may- makes someone want to watch it. Right. Anyway. <clears throat> yeah. It was It was definitely, it was very off-putting. And it almost seemed, as you said, aggr- calling it aggressive is, is, a, is a good way to put it, it I think. It very much felt that way. Agreed. All right, so uh, let's get off that. Yes. Let's, let's, let's wash that taste out of our mouths. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, <laughs> let us talk about upcoming movies. Yeah. And uh, let's, uh, let's just turn on the uh, certified uh, H-E-H-G sound. <laughs> All right, we're set. So we're going to talk about movies we are looking for. Actually, break it down for us. How are we, how are we doing this? So we decided, um, since there wasn't a movie opening this week that we all wanted to go and see, even for the purposes of discussing it for the podcast, sorry, Sucker Punch, <laughs> um, Joe had the idea that we should look ahead and talk about some of the movies that are still upcoming based on their trailers. Yes. So uh, it sort of reminded me of a feature that we used to do on Hissy Fit called Reviews of Movies That We Haven't Seen. Nice. Right. But um, so what we did, which again, we made a list. We each came to the table with a movie from each of the following categories. A movie I'm super into, a movie I should be into, but I'm not, and who on earth is into this? So those are the three um, the three pots that are, our trailer clips are come, going. Very good. So really into it, should be into it, who the hell is into this? Yes. All right, we're going to start with Joe. So Joe, we're going to start with your really into it. Listen to me very carefully, my friend. Killing will not bring you peace. Peace was never an option. So, yeah, that is uh, from the trailer for the upcoming prequel slash reboot slash sequel slash whatever the hell Hollywood is making these Mm -hmm. days of movies. Uh, X-Men First Class. Um, I am... I'll just admit right now that I'm completely in the bag for pretty much anything (laughs) X-Men. I never read the comics as a kid, but that... uh, It's the first movie, but it was more so that second movie that X-Men United fucking knocked me out and uh i've been sort of just on board ever since i suffered through x-men 3 and the wolverine movie which i completely even the wolverine movie on hbo but still still. um, i knew it was going to be bad but i figured i'd watch it anyway um i feel like i have some faith in this one i know uh matthew vaughn directed kick-ass which i did not like Mm -hmm. but the ways in which i didn't like that were not things that I would chalk up to the director. I feel like as a story, like from what they were adapting it from, I didn't really like, and I didn't really like uh, 
some of the acting in it. But I feel like this is a director who is such a step up from Brett Ratner. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> X-Men 3. That just that alone, there's got to be some sort of uh, like dead cat bounce. Where it's like you hit rock bottom. <laughs> yeah. And then you're going to be coming up. And then the casting of James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender as Professor Xavier and Magneto. Like, such a great first step well, for a reboot. And also, I have to say, every actor every time there was a headline about this actor's joining the project this actor's joining it was yeah. like wow they're like assembling joe reed's guest his, yeah his dream cast for any movie whatever they're all doing right. together jennifer could lawrence is in it could uh, be sense and sensibility doesn't matter yeah. joe's gonna see it yeah yeah mcavoy nicholas holt from skins, holt from skins mm-hmm. uh rose byrne who i like yep. uh in damages but on not much else but we'll see how she goes in this um january jones as uh emma frost jennifer lawrence jennifer lawrence as mystique kevin bacon's in it uh ray wise is in it sure so um i don't know and then the trailer just ended up they're they're uh they're in the 60s they're during the cuban missile crisis which is sort of interesting not necessarily inherently great but it's an interesting take on it that I'm really inter- uh, looking forward yeah, to that, see. That part appeals to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 I mean, I think that's the part that would actually make me go back and see another X-Men film after that last one. Did yeah. the last one the ruin third it one. for you? Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. So it's I think that, I do love a period, an action period piece. Yeah. Yeah. That does appeal to me. So, and it's just, everything just seemed really exciting. It'll be interested to, interesting to see the, uh, the Charles Xavier and Magneto uh, fracture happen whether it happens in this movie or whether they're sending up to a sequel to this movie to happen. Um, so I'm completely in the bag for it. I'll see it. All right. So now we're moving to should be into. You've got to suck out the venom. I don't want to suck it. You suck it. I can't reach you with my mouth. Courtney, suck the venom. I've never sucked venom. Suck it. Oh. I'm just going to sigh. <laughs> like every time I see the trailer for, this is for your <laughs> highness, the new, uh, uh, James Franco and Danny, Danny McBride, McBride movie directed by David Gordon Green uh, who directed this was the same three behind uh, Pineapple Express boo yeah. really see I liked Pineapple uh, Express this is why this nope. is why this is it's my it's a unique blend of like you know Pineapple Express unique blend of low octane action and unfunny <laughs> comedy <laughs> See, Didn't but care I, for it either. But that's why it's on my should like, because I feel like with that same team, I thought that movie was really likable. That movie was too long, and there was a problem with the action, but I generally liked that movie. Yeah. This one, every single time I see the trailer and it gets to that suck the venom out part, I'm already kind of annoyed because I don't like Danny McBride. Right. Um, that's the point where it feels like it's actually insulting to me, and I'm just like, I, I'm out. Mm-hmm. And then they get to the weird Farscape-looking... Alien the villain, yeah, or the, no, the the little the pot smoking. Oh, that shaman thing! I thought you meant just the little yeah, muppet, yeah, yeah, yeah. fucking <laughs> yes. like. Yeah. I will. I I enjoy weed comedy every once in a while, but sure. like this just seems like so self indulgent to the point of being really exclusionary, mm-hmm. and I guess it's going to be for some people, but. And I like James Franco. I like Natalie Portman. But I think I think my I think it's progressed with me and Danny McBride, where it's like revulsion. Yeah, I just, I he is a tough sell, especially he, at the top of the. And, but he's ooh, the ticket. I'm not, I, I wouldn't like say him. he's a tough sell. He's but he's very polarizing. Like yeah. people, who people love really him, love, love him. him. Yeah. And then there's I the couldn't rest make of us. it more than like three seconds. And <laughs> there's good down. thinking people. Yeah, we watched. I think we watched the better part of the first season, and then before the finale, was like, I don't really care what happens to these characters. No, and we didn't. After that, we stopped. Yeah. So, who the hell is into? 
So you can see that Walter is a man who's lost all hope. But he's about to find his voice. Bloody hell. Look at you. I'm sick. Do you want to get better? Who are you? I'm the beaver, Walter. And I'm here to save your damn life. Right. So, yeah, that is from the trailer for uh, The Beaver, which... uh, it's directed by Jodie Foster and starring everybody's favorite, Mel Gibson. Yeah. Um, which has gotten some really good notices out of South by Southwest. And I understand why people would want to like it because it's it was such a great uh, unproduced screenplay for so long. It was on that blacklist a couple of times. It's written by the Lone Star guy. Oh, it was it really written by the Lone Star yes. guy? Yes. So, sure. And, I mean, I want Jodie Foster to succeed. She doesn't, I feel like... I, I really like her as a person and I want and I, she doesn't work enough to be kind of the kind of prolific big star that I feel like she can be. So whenever she does come out with a project I want it to succeed. I don't understand how once this Mel Gibson stuff happened, everybody didn't just wash their hands of it. I in a big A-lister Hollywood movie like this, so much depends on liking the star. This isn't like some kind of like method actory guy who can sort of disappear into a role. This is Mel Gibson. Like he's always going to be Mel Gibson. I don't know how I'm supposed to turn off everything I know about him. Mm-hmm. You can't unknow all that. You can't unring that bell with him. We've all heard the voicemails. We've all heard the you know anti-Semitic statements. Like. This is a movie that's going to ask me to sympathize with him and root for him and feel like he's a good father and and husband. Like, I don't know how I'm supposed to, like I said, unring that bell. Right. <clears throat> I mean, I, I can't really make that argument without being a total hypocrite because The Pianist is one of my favorite movies of all time. Okay. So I, I well, understand. you don't have to look at Roman Polanski in that No, even. you don't. You don't. That movie is not dependent on the likability of the director so much as no, this is like... It's not. So... No, I, I I hear you. Yeah. Well, this is also the issue with every Woody Allen film, too. Yeah. Right. Or any movie that any Scientologist is in, frankly. Well, like, you know, when you start going down the line. Can I peel, peel away, though? You know, I, peel I away the Mel saying. Gibson thing? Who the hell is into a, a movie about a guy who walks around with a puppet on his yeah. hand? Yeah. Well, like, would, would we have been into this movie even if it was Daniel anyone Day-Lewis. other than him? Yeah. Mm, well, that's well, you know, as a guy who disappears into his role. <laughs> yes. yes. If it were him, I might be interested. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. no, I'm not. <laughs> All right, Tara, totally into. Graduation is for the parents, but prom's really just for us. Yeah, I'm going to go see prom, a movie for children. Okay, you guys can all have your Hunger Games. I know you can't hear my air quotes, but I was making them. Um, I am a person who induced our friend Linda Holmes, friend of the show and pop pop culture happy hour co-host, to take either a bus or a train from D.C. to New York so that we could go and see High School Musical 3 together. That's right, you did do that, didn't you? Yeah, we did. So um, obviously I'm totally going to see prom. I don't even know anything about it. I think I thought it was a musical. And then I watched the trailer and was like, oh, it's not. I'm still into it. Like, there's there's nothing about this that's not me all over. Here's yes. my question about prom, because mm-hmm. I picked up on this in the trailer for that. And yep. uh, 
it made me think back to uh, that show Laguna Beach. Did you watch Laguna Beach at no. all? There was a whole thing in Laguna Beach's first season where their prom episode, there was a whole episode of the boys ask, asking oh, the girls to prom. Promposals? Yes. I don't have these... any frame of reference for Laguna Beach, but of course. Okay. Cl- clone Will high. you go to the prom with me, Marie? <laughs> Will you go to Nostradamus? <laughs> but there were these big, like you said, promposals that uh-huh. all ended with just the word prom, question mark. Uh-huh. Is that a thing? Was I don't that know. ever a thing? I don't know. I don't care. Does it I'm 36. I should not know that. But I feel like anecdotally, we could maybe have younger relatives or something like that. No, no idea. I have never heard of that Mm -mm. in my entire life. And all of a sudden, with Laguna and now with that, it's like, this seems like a thing, like a tradition that people do. And I'm completely divorced from that. So (laughs) all you high schoolers who are listening to Extra Hot Great, (laughs) please let us know. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. So that's what I'm super into right now. And Tara, let's see what you should be into, but are not. Welcome back, Captain Stevens. Where am I? You are inside the source code. What is the source code? It's a computer program, Captain. Source code enables you to cross over into another man's identity in the last eight minutes of his life. That makes perfect sense. (laughs) (laughs) That totally answered my question. Yeah, um, the reason that I should be into source code is that it's the latest, only second movie from Duncan Jones, who directed Moon. Which oh was, shit, is that the guy who did this? Yeah, oh, that's right. That's dear. why it was on my list because that was my, Moon was my favorite wish movie I didn't know that. of two thousand nine. Yeah, that was a great movie. It was a fantastic movie. Yeah. If you've not seen Moon, I don't know what you're waiting for. It's All right, this so is what good. Happened. I can't even say anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's the money truck. truck. Full of money. <laughs> Source code, please. Ding, 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 so, I, 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 the reason that Does I picked... Does it look that bad? I don't know. Right, yeah. Anyway, go. Uh, the reason that I picked that clip... It does. The reason I picked that clip <laughs> is that it encapsulates what's so dumb about this movie and Deja Vu and any yeah. number of other sci-fi movies, which is we're going to totally make up an arbitrary obstacle yes. for this technology and never explain why I mean maybe they do explain yeah, it in the movie but it won't be a good explanation no, it, it won't, won't be satisfying it won't um, and we can I'll, I'll, I'll bring this up again when we get to the canon discussion too because it's like you, you, you just decide that this is going to be the ticking clock yeah. for really no good reason yeah. also I just don't like Jake Gyllenhaal Wow, I can't take part in this conversation. I just don't. He looks I know. like a caveman. I, I know, he does. Right? Yes. Oh, not Joe. No, Joe. Not I'm, not, Joe. I'm looking at Joe. Right? No, no, no. Joe's in the tank for Jake Gyllenhaal. That's fine. I realize I'm in the minority. Did you see I loved Prince him of in Brokeback Mountain. No. Yeah, we started to would, watch that My line this week. was drawn in front of Prince of Persia. It's not good. Yeah. It really wanted to be a Pirates of the Caribbean, but it was not even that. No. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, source code can't, can't do it. Can I tell you what I call source code? Because this is about a guy who keeps on going back into the same body and over and over again. <laughs> Groundhog data. Oh, shit. It's very good. <laughs> it's very good. All right, Tara asking the question, who the hell is into this? Yeah. On the baguette. Stop <laughs> My bed is made of magnets. Get me out of here. At least something in this room is attracted to you. <laughs> That's the Arthur remake. Yep. The remake no one was clamoring for, starring <laughs> Russell Brand for no good reason. I mean... I- I don't want to like. I'm just gonna say it. If you if we're friends and you want to see this movie, don't tell me because I because we can't. Yeah, I don't get it either. <laughs> I don't. I don't know who this is for. Like everyone I know who loves the for original, Helen Mirren to get a little scratch. Okay, but I mean, like from from the viewers, no, I know. Like the people that that love Arthur the original are like fucking mad about this movie. <laughs> like they're really mad about yeah. it. Um, and it was, it was, anecdotally, I'm going to say the people that are mad about it are like Liza Minnelli super fans. So take that <laughs> as you will. But like, this looks Arthur so Arthur Kahn was pretty ugly this year. 
Ugh. <laughs> Terrible. And also, uh, trailer makers, stop putting under pressure in your trailer. It, yes. It achieved perfection in the trailer for adaptation, and everything after that has been yeah, returns. Yeah, that's, you're right. So, stop. And and again, speaking of, of polarizing stars, Russell Brand. Yeah. Uh, like, there, and you say and polarizing, it is really true. Like Some people who really like him, I can see this movie making a decent amount of money, mm-hmm. um, and even, like, getting decent reviews from the people who, who actually uh, like Russell Brand. Yeah. I find him so repellent. I do in too. Every way. I don't get and it. And I love Helen Mirren, and I love Jennifer Garner, and I love Greta Gerwig. But there is no way you could drag me to see this movie. You know this the trailer that I that I picked the is the three minute version that's online. Greta Gerwig is in that trailer zero. I was gonna say there's she one trailer not, that she never, is not ever, in it at all. You'd never know that she's the love interest in I that know, movie. I know. Like they are really not trying was, to court the Greenberg audience no, in this movie at all. No, they're not. So those are my those are my picks. My original pick for totally into it was going to be priest i approve under the assumption that it is somehow the sequel to legion the best film ever i don't approve is this going to become the runner and now on an extra hot grade dave making the case legion. For legion even though someone tweeted this week i'm watching legion because because of dave oh, and i'm mad at him i'm sorry guy i didn't see the mad part i just saw they're watching it i think you I made, made that up looking through the eyes of you're love right, you're right their head probably exploded from the awesomeness <laughs> Right? Shrug. Um, but then I, I I tried really hard to come up with something I was really into. I said to Tara earlier that actually there is nothing on this list of upcoming movies that I am truly into. So will Dave year. hate this? Yeah. So I'm going to qualify my I am really into this, which is going to be... I'm somewhat into this. Rogers, Steven. Just give me a chance. Sorry, son. I'm saving your life. Really into asterisks, Captain America. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not really into it, but if I had to pick one that was sort of the closest to, I'm going to go with Captain America because, as I said before, Dave loves himself an action set period piece. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Yep. It looks pretty good. It does. It's got, wait, I know where you're going. Let me get <laughs> I know, and I'm going to go there too, but we'll let you get there. No, you don't know what I'm going to say. Oh, it's really? got some pretty good actors in it. Yes. I saw um, Tommy Lee Jones in it, and I saw Stanley Tuch- Tucci was in it. That's right. Others, I'm sure. Hugo <laughs> Weaving is in it. He's the villain. Mm-hmm, love him. Um, then there's the guy who plays Captain America. Dave. No, you no, already no, said wait. something bad about Jake no, 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 Gyllenhaal. No, 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 I'm but, not going to be able to talk. Wait, so, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> And just, just just before we get into all the reasons why I'm not really into this, I kind of feel like I might be in the mood for a really jingoistic World War II action film sure. right now. Sure. Feels we like the America. climate is right. Okay. All right. Proceed. <laughs> so what I was going to say is, Dave, when Dave told me he was switching his movie to this, I was like, oh, I saw the promo for that. And, and the, he looks so weird when he's like, they put his face on that super skinny yeah. kid. And Dave goes, well, you're just used to seeing him on all those dancing movies. And I turned around and I was like, that's not Channing Tatum. <laughs> it's Chris Evans. Dave was like, who's Chris Evans? Even though I don't think you saw the Fantastic Four movie. I saw. That's acceptable. Wasn't he in that terrible um, he was in push. Matrix movie? Yeah, yes, push. he was in Push. Yeah. We saw him in that. that. terrible yeah. Matrix movie. <laughs> so, so Dave learned this Working week title. that Channing Tatum and Chris Evans are two Aww. different people. I two stars one slot. Look, they I'm totally really proud are. of myself when I noticed that somebody well, was yes. in something. Like we were watching uh, an episode of, of Buffy earlier, <laughs> yes, and we were. I noticed that the glory glory was the a cheerleader from Bring It On. Sure. You did, and I was really proud of he myself. Pumped let his me arms tell and you. everything. Yeah. I was really proud of myself. Mm-hmm. 
Um, sorry, so Chris Evans is... The is... divide of, of personality <laughs> between Chris Evans and Channing Tatum. I like Channing Tatum for what he offers, and what he offers is very shallow. Sure. But I feel like Chris Evans is really charismatic. What? But the it, my objection to it was your objection to it, which was he looks really, really creepy as the skinny Benjamin Button guy. Right, but it's presumably that'll only be a very brief part of the movie. But it bothers me. It's the one thing holding me See, back. See, being, una- being, you know... a obtuse and ignorant and unaware that did not bother me because I actually didn't actually <laughs> see them as like but when he comes out of the uh, all buffified his, his, his little iron lung and he's all buffified mm-hmm. and stuff and I was like Joe's gotta get him a piece of that <laughs> <laughs> that was Joe rubbing his hands it together. was yeah alright should be into but I am not you are a vain greedy cruel boy you are an old man and a fool. You're unworthy. Why are we all shouting? <laughs> <laughs> that is Thor. Oh, yeah. God of Thunder movie, also from Marvel. Two comic book movies in a row. I'm uh-huh. not really like in the bag for comic book movies, but no. that's just the way this list played out. Sure. Um, as Tara knows, I'm really into Norse mythology. I have, I've, I've read up quite a bit on it, and mm-hmm. I enjoyed that part of it. I know this isn't a serious Norse mythology movie. Thank you. I know. No, it is. Uh, oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, let's go see it now. <laughs> um, but uh, this movie just looks really boring. Yeah, and the more I see of it, the more boring it looks. Um, the and problem is the lead, who is such a nothing. Yes. I'm sorry. Uh, He's one of the Hemsworths. I don't even know or, or care which one it is. He He's was uh, a Alex scary one who was in Perfect Getaway. It doesn't uh, matter. Let me tell you this. In yeah, Asgard... I'm not going to go shallow three times in a row, okay, but I'm just going to say that's why I'm going to see <laughs> Thor. All right, sorry. Dave, you were saying... No, I was going to say, about that lead actor in Asgard, they really got to install some high-pressure showers to wash the conditioner <laughs> out of that guy's <laughs> yeah. hair. Because, yeah. damn, the guy just looks like he's just, like, sat in oil for about 20 days from this whole thing. It's he looks like blonde, blonde Sasquatch. He does. <laughs> oh, my God, that's what they should call this movie. Then I actually kind of want to see it. Also, my final note, Joe, cover your ears. Uh-oh. Natalie Portman can go away for a while. You know, I agree. whatever, guys. Oh, no. <laughs> Poor Joe. <laughs> I've had to, no, it's not like I'm not used to this. I'm having to endure this opinion from everybody hey, for the last three months. Where was she on your list? Same slot as Dave. So maybe well, you no, she's she, Yes, down. that's right. She's, mm-hmm. yeah, this mm-hmm. is, not, uh-huh. gonna be, this is mm-hmm. not going to be a Joe Loves Natalie Portman movies year. No, it's not. Like last year was. Why the hell is anybody in the world into this? Transformers 3. <laughs> <laughs> Written by no one as a... Uh, I, Rock told us? Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. I really I don't do I have to make a case for no, this? No. You know, first one, everybody wanted to see the robots. Sure. The second one, oh my god, Plus robot. Nostalgia. Heaven. That's the other yes. thing. The second now, one was like everybody everybody on Earth should know better. Yes. There is no reason for oh god, anybody to so see bad. this movie. So boring. Yeah. Anybody. Don't do it. <laughs> if you want to see not. a movie where things happen on the moon, rent moon. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There's also robots in Moon. Yeah. Yes. That's true. That's right. All right. Excited to uh, debut a new segment here on Extra Hot Great, courtesy of our friend Kim Reed. It's Kim's The Most Awesome Thing I Saw Last Week on Television. Yay. Hi, I'm Kim, and this is The Most Awesome Thing I Saw on TV Last Week. 
So the most awesome thing I saw on TV last week was this episode of Happy Days. It was the post-Richie era with Ted McGinley as Cousin Roger, just to give you a sense of where we were in the series. And Chachi had to write a history paper, so he asked Fonzie to help him, because as we all know, Fonzie is an American history scholar. It was about immigration, and then they proceeded to have a series of flashbacks with musical numbers. So the first one was Joni and Chachi as Irish immigrants. Neither of them could sing, but of course they sang anyway. They were hoping for a spinoff, which they got. Chachi was wearing these herringbone pattern green leggings that... I'm pretty sure they got a JCPenney, and I know this because I had the same ones worn in 1985 with an oversized men's shirt and a belt. The second song was all of the men in the cast singing about having the immigration blues. It's 1600, and they're all wearing prison stripes. Unclear why. And then they do an elephant walk where you reach between the legs of the person in front of you and grab their hand and then walk around the room, link together. This was a thing that was on television in 1981. I can't believe it happened, and I can't believe anyone watched it, and I can't believe the actors read the script and went, oh yeah, that's totally what we're going to do. Anyway, then there was a song about uh, Mexican immigrants, and it was a total ripoff of America from West Side Story, and it featured the lyrics, in America, que viva mi America, there's no place to compare it to, it's home, it's home for me, which was awesome. And then there's a big finale with the whole cast, and they're all dressed up as different professions, like baseball player and nurse and fireman and tennis player was Jenny Piccolo. I'm not sure why. They do this big production number and jazz hands at the end. And the whole time I'm just sitting there thinking, I was in the show choir in junior high, and our choreography was more complicated than this. Unless you think, oh, it was the end of the series. They were scraping the bottom of the barrel. Oh, no. There were three more seasons of Happy Days after this aired. So... It was the most awesome thing I saw on TV last week. Thanks, Kim. Thank you, Kim. <laughs> I should say, before, in case we forget at the end, you got to follow Kim on Twitter. She's at Kim Reed, R E E D. No relation. No relation. Dear Mr. President, there are too many states nowadays. Please eliminate three. I am not a crackpot. Uh, so, yeah, this is my not a crackpot theory this week. <laughs> uh, it's fairly simple, so I'm just going to lay it out. Um, movie theaters should have headphone jacks the same way that airplane seats have headphone jacks. Agreed. There's no downside to this. There really is no downside to this. You, if, if you don't have the money to retrofit your current theaters, at least every time you revamp a theater or make a new one, starting from now, they should all have headphone jacks in them. Um, it's solves every kind of chatterly problem solves the biggest problem of theater chatter which is borderline theater chatter yep which is the stuff that is just quiet enough that it's distracting that it's distracting but you're still like well they're they're whispering they're making an effort i don't want to be too much of an asshole and me worrying about it is more of a distraction (laughs) than them actually talking about it. when you play the scenario out in your head which somehow ends with them chasing it down an alley outside of the movie (laughs) after the movie yeah well that's the other stabbing you repeatedly with a bowie knife well because there are my two fears for for shushing people at the theaters the one is that they turn out to be like big scary like violent people yeah. and I end up getting hurt. The right. second one is that they turn out to be old people and I yell at them and they have a heart attack and they yeah. die. And I don't want that to happen either. <laughs> Wait, so, do you yeah, think and they, quote, die? Don't, they die? I don't want to kill anybody either. with my meanness. <laughs> Me neither, so, I guess. <laughs> question mark. So, but I feel like this would all be solved if I could just bring my noise-canceling headphones to yes. the theater, yes. plug them in. Yes. It could enhance uh, 
sound like clearly yeah. really good headphones. It would probably be sound. better for those for the elderly too, because the, a lot of the reasons sure. that they're talking is because they can't make out what's happening. It's a whole I new revenue stream, as you talked about. If you wanted to, for people who don't remember to bring them, yep. you could rent them out. Although God forbid I ever rent out a pair of headphones from a movie theater. <laughs> or you have there's limited... not enough rubbing alcohol in the United States of America for me to do that. Or you have but limited I... seats with yeah. these plugs right. and like they the, go for like the two D-box bucks box more seat. or whatever. I would totally yeah. do that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Um, but I would just bring my own. And then you could get into things like, well, you're still running a movie after like whatever three months. This problem of movies leaving theaters too soon. Yep. You could have a whole thing where you have like audio commentary for sure. after Avatar has totally. been in theaters the third time. Yep. You like James Cameron mm-hmm. wouldn't take advantage of that. Like yeah. there's a whole wealth of possibilities out there. Right. Anyway, or with the King's speech to make it timely, where they've recut ooh. it to take the swears out. They beep. You could have <laughs> just beep beeped it, in, it in the movie, but then you can hear in on the if you'd get the headphones, you can or, hear it. Or like Wet Hot American Summer yep. DVD, you can just have little fart noises throughout. The totally. Whole thing. There's. I mean, there the was possibilities a time, are endless. There was a time when movie theaters did not have stadium seating. Right. When movie theaters did not have cup holders. Right. And now we take both of those things for granted. It's 2011, people. It's it's 2011. It's time. Co-signed. Mm-hmm. And just trademarked, patent pending, yeah. everybody. <laughs> Once this happens, I want my money. It's such a good idea, Joe. You yes. are not a crackpot. No, Thank you. not a crackpot. You know what that means. It's time for the canon. We have a user-submitted canon from Matt H. Matt H. Oh, my God. It's Matt Houston. <laughs> Matt Houston submitted something. That- oh, I'm so excited. All right. What is this? Let's find out. Hey, guys. at Extra Hot Great. My name is Matt. I'm a big fan of the podcast, and I have a submission for the canon that I would like to see if you would consider. Uh, my submission is Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 5 Finale, The Gift. It was the 100th episode of the series, the last to air on the, the original network, the WB, and it kind of had the feeling of a series finale as opposed to just a season finale. Here's some reasons on why I think it should be considered. It's a great example of how good the after high school Buffy was. You know, after season three, the show kind of changes. And uh, season five, it really hits its stride. And and it's really good from the very beginning to the end. Uh, This particular um, episode has some great moments, like between Buffy and Giles and her whole, you know, I wish my mom was still here, which references back to the another great season five episode and already canonized the body. Um, also some good spike in Buffy with his whole you treat me like a man speech which kind of foreshadows what's going on with them and um, Willow has some great magic badassness in this one Um, Spike becomes pretty much a full-fledged Scooby member he's fighting side by side with them and you can't have a good season without a great season big bad and um, Glory definitely fills that bill Claire Kramer really nailed it she was um, a great foil for Buffy and um, and the actress Sarah Michelle Gellar uh, their fight on the tower up to dawn, the back and forth between the two of them was really well done, along with the music, and of course the big death at the end. Uh, the last point I want to make is this was kind of the ending, the, the final episode of the, the original Buffy, that pure Buffy. It had that kind of higher moral code that Giles kind of uh, talks to Ben about, that Buffy has. Um, this was kind of the end of that. She was darker and a lot different character-wise uh, after her resurrection in season six. So that was kind of this was kind of the last episode of that original Buffy. So and of course you know we have that final speech, the "Live for Me" speech that she gives to Dawn, and 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 then the the tombstone alone at the end with the engraving. You know she saved the world a lot. Pretty much should put it in the canon right there. So that's my opinion. I'd love to hear what y'all have to say and what y'all think, and I uh, appreciate the consideration. Thanks. Thank you, Matt. Thank and you, Matt. Uh, yeah. uh, sorry, mm-hmm. what are Buffy fans called? Are they called Scoobies? Uh, Buffy fans? Yeah. 
There's no, there's no name. I don't, I don't think, think there is. Okay, a well, anyways, name. Joe, as I think the biggest Buffy fan, the at biggest the table. buffer. Oh, <laughs> yes. Hey, oh, uh, <laughs> that you can uh, take the lead on. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, Matt uh, mentioned quite a bit of it. I will say, for me personally, it's almost impossible to separate this episode from my emotional reaction to it at the time. Uh, like he said, it was the last WB episode. There was a lot of chatter about. Either this series was going to be leaving the WB or ending altogether, and I wasn't as plugged in as I am now. So there was that. I'd heard about the WB move, but I didn't know it was definite, so there was that plausible deniability. And just watching the episode and the finality it had to it, I was certain once it was done that it was done, that all this WB or UPN stuff was... uh, was bullshit and that it was being over. Um, it starts off with that great super teaser at the beginning or uh, super previouslys at the beginning where it gives the entire run up of the series up till then and follows that with the scene, just a very standard slaying in the alley where Buffy comes up and saves a girl from a vampire. It's a guy. Or it does save a guy. You're right. I'm sorry. Um, I mean, he's a little effeminate. <laughs> let's not uh, let's not get things wrong. Yes, you're right. She saves a guy, um, and then she has a uh, she kills the vampire, and then she talks to the guy. To the How'd guy. you do that? It's what I do. But you're you're just a girl. That's what I keep saying. So that was a nice like reaffirmation of the series's missions or one of the series's mission statements well and it's one that comes up again too in the in the re, what it ends up being the real series finale as yes. well where it's like that's enough that's right. all you need right yes um good observation there mm. i like that um pretty smart <laughs> so uh the other thing about this episode is that it's impossible to separate this episode from the like four or five that happened right before it because the end of season five was such that ramp up to the end where uh, Glory took Dawn and then they were chasing after her and blah 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 um, so whereas episodes like The Body and Hush and Once More with Feeling you can watch them as more of a standalone and you get more out of them whereas this one is really dependent on the chase that that uh, that accumulated momentum from the last few episodes um, but so it starts off the first 40 minutes are basically a preparation where Glory is preparing Dawn for the ritual while Buffy and Giles and all of her gang are preparing for trying to figure out ways to delay Glory and if there's one major story thread in those first 40 minutes it would be the conflict between Buffy and Giles where Giles is uh, uh, advocating that if the ritual does start and they need to kill Dawn to keep the world from ending, they're going to do it. And Buffy's basically like, fuck that. So as even as they're like, you know, leaving for the fight and they're trying to rouse each other up, there's that pall over it, which is what's going to happen if the ritual starts and Dawn needs to be killed. Hey, everybody knows their jobs. Remember, the ritual starts. We all die. And I'll kill anyone who comes near Dawn. Well, not exactly the St. Crispin's Day speech, was it? We few. We happy few. I feel like this is sort of an underrated Giles episode, where nobody really mm-hmm. talks about this being like a fantastic yeah. Giles episode. But, uh, I think, I think uh, you know, Buffy needs to... Giles is the Spock of this moment, and he realizes that yes. the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, or yes. the one. By the way, happy <laughs> birthday, Leonard Nimoy, since yes. we're... Ooh, uh, yes. 80, 80 years, 80 years young. Wow. Amazing. Yes. Um, So once the battle begins, the episode really does pick up. And um, 
there's a good funny moment right as things are kicking off where Gloria appears to have gotten the upper hand on Buffy, uh, only to knock her head off and discover that she's been battling the Buffy robot from several episodes <laughs> prior. You know what? I'm feeling a little better. And now, I'm a little bored. Oh, I'm sorry. Because you're about... Slayer's a robot. Did everybody else know the Slayer was a robot? (laughs) I feel like opinion from the fandom is split on Claire Kramer as Glory. I loved her. Yeah, a lot of people hated her. I really, really thought she was just fantastic and entertaining. And for a lot of episodes where it really just depended on, there was no plot advancement with Glory, that it really depended on her being very watchable. And I thought she was great. And I'm kind of wondering what became of her after this and Bring It On were basically within the same year, year and a half of each other. And then, I don't know, nothing. Um, So from there, Buffy starts to work on Glory with that enchanted troll hammer, which is like the only thing that can hurt her. And uh, this is probably just the troll hammer coming from an earlier episode. It's again a thing where it's a culmination of things from earlier in the season. This was kind of the last season that did that satisfyingly, where season six and season seven... uh, there was, it was a lot more fragmented. The end never felt like, oh, we've been preparing yeah. 21 episodes for this in the way that this really, everything from season five sort of ran into that uh, and was funneled through this final episode. So um, Buffy beats the shit out of Glory with this hammer and gets her to the point where she has to transition back into Ben, who is her quote-unquote brother, who she shares body with. And Ben tells Buffy that he's going to take Glory and leave and she'll never see him again. And that's good enough for Buffy because she's got to go save Dawn. But that's when Giles shows up. Can you move? Nina. Matt. She could have killed me. No, she couldn't. Never. And sooner or later, Glory will reemerge and make Buffy pay for that mercy. And the world with her. Buffy even knows that. And still, she couldn't take human life. She's a hero, you see. She's not like us. Us. Giles, Giles. TCB, <laughs> taking care of business. My favorite such part a of great that, moment. It's such a great moment. My favorite part of that is when he uh, takes out his glasses and does mm-hmm. the little, like, yep. and it's such, like, a trademark move for Giles. It's just like, oh, he's going to get yeah. him. He's going to kill him. Giles is the best. Giles is the best. So, um, meanwhile, Dawn's still tied up on this pedestal, uh, but before Buffy can get to her, up comes Doc who is, again, was in a couple of earlier episodes, played by Joel Grey during this time in his life where Joel Grey would do nothing but show up on TV shows I love. And, and be creepy. And be, and be creepy and partially <laughs> or entirely responsible for killing characters that I love. Also Alias. Uh, also Alias, also Oz. So, oh, like, I didn't know that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it was, uh, every time I would see Joel Grey show up on something, I would like <laughs> immediately go into defensive pose and just be like, what's gonna, who's gonna, I don't know. So, um, so he's incredibly <laughs> creepy. And Dawn at the point has seen him before but doesn't know that he's a bad guy yet so there's this awful sort of realization that shit's gonna get bad really quick you you can help me untie me please help me she's coming 
Well, it seems she's running a bit late, is the thing. And uh, if her splendidness can't be here in time to bleed you, so creepy um, also later he pulls no, out his tongue i know yeah he's weird and lizard like and i mean joel gray is blessed in that way that he can appear <laughs> effortlessly oh i thought you're gonna see that he's lizard like in real life <laughs> that was his real tongue <laughs> he puts that on his uh his resume in yes. case anybody special skills mm. lizard tongue <laughs> um so doc begins the ritual he cuts her with the knife in this really sort of like creepily delicate way where she's just sort of bleeding these Small little bits cut. Yes. <laughs> Creepy. Um, so Dawn's bleeding. This means the ritual has started. And then Buffy finally makes it up there and in one sort of sideways shove gets rid of Doc off of the pedestal. Um, but the ritual has begun. The dimensions are already starting to bleed into one another. These really poorly rendered CGI. I was going to say yeah. the dimension of bad effects. That effects, was, effects. yeah. I mean, Buffy never really pretended that it was a show that no. put a whole lot into its effects budget. But this really overreached. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Dragon. Overage. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and Dawn, in one of the uh, handful of, to her credit, moments throughout the entire <laughs> series, um, realizes this and is going to jump off the pedestal into the energy and die to save the world. Uh, until Buffy has this epiphany where she realizes that her blood is the same as Dawn's blood, and let's not delve too much into that physiologically because well, maybe it holds up, maybe it doesn't. Well, I was just gonna say this is the, this is the part that I was that I meant when I was talking about source code that I wanted to talk about. Where yeah. it's like at least with Buffy, they get somewhat of a pass because it's magic. It is magic, and also in that moment of the show, they they do go back over like material from Cliff noted five or six yeah. different episodes where it's like yes. they've they've planted the seeds for yeah. this. There is the no, entire season. There is no historical precedent for creating a key into a human being <laughs> no, and making isn't. it somebody's sister. So and if we accept that. we can't that. say that it's not her blood. Uh, Ghostbusters. <laughs> Keymaster. Oh, yeah, Jake was a Keymaster. But, but my point is. Yes, they, and it's a very I, good point. I, it's the difference between earned and unearned for me. Sure. And I feel like Buffy was, in, as far as these things go. Yeah. Meticulous. He, in that it was way. it was careful about its own mythology and it followed you know a logical. It's, yes. It had a, an internal logic you could respect. Yeah. So Buffy remembers that, and then she also remembers the spirit quest where the first Slayer tells her that death is her gift, and it finally makes sense to her yep. that uh, that she's going to die. So um, and Dawn tries to stop her, but she's resolute about it. And then so she uh, pulls her up, and then she whispers the following thing to her, and then she runs off, and then she jumps into the energy and. Tell Giles Tell Giles I figured it out and, and I'm okay. And give my love to my friends. You have to take care of them now. You have to take care of each other. To be strong. Don, the hardest thing in this world is to live in it. Be brave. Live. For me. 
And then, as Matt says, we see the tombstone, uh, and it says she saved the world a lot, and then it's over, and then Joe needed several long minutes to collect himself yeah, after Yeah, even wa- we watched it today, and I cried a Even bit. that music, just hearing that music, yeah. it's just like, I was going to oh say, it's, God, that's it's, really well done, understated music. For yeah. It's perfect for the, it's, for the moment. Yeah. So it was, like I said, it was just, it really truly was five seasons worth of show culminating in one huge moment. And... So from the showrunner's point of view, was this a maybe series finale? Yes. They didn't know either. I know you were saying you didn't know, Joe, if this was I feel like be. at some point in the writing of it, they, they it wasn't sure whether it was yeah. when this show... So when it, that this could have been the filmed, end for them as it, far as they were concerned. I feel like it okay. was a possibility in the air for them. Yes. yes. And I think, there, I think there probably is, you know, a, a, a segment of Buffy fandom that feels like this was the true series finale. Yeah. I didn't hate season six as much as a lot of people did. Well, we wouldn't ever have gotten the musical episode if it ended there. So I feel like on right. that alone, I'm happy that it went another couple. Yeah, of but I think also in addition to that, there was there was the whole you know that Buffy didn't really want to come back. Right. You know, it sort of delved into her as a gave her another another layer as a character to be like she was done. Yes. And she was okay being done. Right. You know. Yes. Um. You know, even leaving aside the whole thing of her having been in heaven and yeah. wrenched from it to yes. come back to Earth right. well, against her will. In, even in this episode, they prefer where where she's having that really sort of heavy conversation with Giles, and yeah. she says, "Giles, if Dawn has to die, I don't know how to live in a world that requires me to kill my sister. Right. If she has to die, I'm done." Right. And and she was, yeah. and so that definitely does come into play in season six. Absolutely. Right. But it also, I mean, for this to be the end of Buffy, also feels as a character and as a person also yeah. feels right. Where it's like. Her whole life is about this yes. sacrifice and yes. her having been called to this purpose. Right. Whether she wanted it or not, she she accepted it. Right. And this is you know the ultimate the ultimate expression of her yeah vocation. Yeah. You know, um, I thought this was a great episode. Yeah. Um, and that that Giles moment is like that. Mm-hmm. Even if not everything else in yeah. the episode had gone to shit, yeah. that would make it canon worthy. <laughs> yeah. Watch. In fact, watching this one. And I'm not a fervent rewatcher of Buffy. Like I yeah. watched it when it was on, but I, you know, I haven't really gone back to to rewatch it later. And uh-huh. I think Giles is probably my favorite character. Oh yeah, no question. And that's yeah. that's the yeah. perfect that's that's the perfect thing for him. Although I like have. that guy. Who's the guy who ate kittens? Clem. Yeah, I like Clem. Clem too. was funny. He always played poker. He was like one of the. Oh yeah, yeah. His yeah. face looked like it was. He was just uh-huh. a little he bit a creature. Character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and I kind of gloss over a lot of the the side plots, mostly because to me they Who cares? they really pale. Mm-hmm. But I know, like Matt had mentioned, the stuff with Spike, which I feel like this was the last episode where I liked Spike. I would agree with that too. I think even even there was the sh- there was a schmoopy side to him in season five where he was mooning after Buffy, and I feel like that to me was tolerable because there was other stuff where he was just sort of stepping up to be a good guy and part of the team mm-hmm. and somebody who could sort of take the starch out of Xander's shirt every once in a while which I liked because yeah. Xander bothered me yeah me too um but after this it just became such a romance novel with him yeah and and I really feel like they indulged the fans of of him and Buffy together mm-hmm. in a way that felt cheap and and gross and I don't know so this was the last episode where I really uh was a fan of Spike. Well, that's, and a lot of, uh, again, I remember this just from having been on the twat boards at the time, but like yeah. people chalk up all that, that spuffy nonsense to Marty Knox. As do taking I. Over. No, as do I. Yeah. The other thing that I didn't always credit in this, in the series was, uh, I was not the biggest Willow fan either, which oh, yeah. I know is like <laughs> heresy. 
I feel like there are a few that are out there with you. But um, the moment in this episode after she she figures out the magic of how to how to get Tar- Tara's mind back, basically. Right. Yes. And she, she realizes that she's recovered, and Tara says, "I got so lost." Yeah. Oh. That's, That's a really a nice good moment. moment. And also the moment I I liked really... them as a couple. Yes. And as much as I didn't like Xander, I really loved Anya. So mm-hmm. that thing where they're in the basement and they're looking for stuff. She gets frightened by the, the, bunny. the bunny. But then they see the robot and Xander, of course, automatically jumps to... Anya's like, well, Willow's keeping her around. And he's like, I didn't know she felt about Buffy that way, thinking it's like a sex robot. Mm-hmm. And she just looks at him and she goes pervert and he goes back to her like pervert too <laughs> that was like kind of a cool moment of i don't know yeah. why they worked mm-hmm. as a couple this episode reminds me of going back to it again for like the third time on Ha-ha. this podcast magnum pi legion oh <laughs> and legion as all things remind me no, too. magnum pi had the same sort of thing where they had a a, a series end yeah uh, uh, in the can and and magnum is this whole episode where he gets shot right at the beginning of the episode and he kind of has this you know, going into the light, you know, bit extended for sure. the next 40 minutes. And yeah. it was, it was, you know, for the time, it was pretty good. Yeah. And then they renewed it for another two seasons or two after that. And then, you know, he's like, you know, just kidding. Defibrillator and then uh-huh. whatever. Yeah. Um, but it was a really satisfying series end. And yeah. then they kind of like came back and I was like, uh, okay, now I just feel like it's on. I'm kind of happy the more Magda, but somehow I'm just inherently less invested in it because. Sure. Like, when you come back from the dead, you know, what other worlds are there to conquer? Yeah. Right? right? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's sort of like the Superman syndrome almost, where it's like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm sure he'll save the day because there's one thing in the world that could uh, yeah. hurt him, and it's actually not on this world. You know, right. I mean, it's like one of those things. Yeah. But, um, so, I kind of get where everybody's coming from in this episode, where it's like, there's sort of this canonical Buffy up to season five and there's like these extra ones which are you know you know it's got some great moments but it was sort of like it was different yeah well I mean and season three ends in a way that feels very final as well as there that's the graduation episode high school is over the umbrella and and I feel like there there is a bit of a dividing line between and Matt mentioned this in the submission between high school Buffy and college Buffy yeah season five is clearly the best season of college Buffy Mm-hmm. Even though it doesn't really deal with college, it, but like post high school Buffy, right? Um, but season three, you could—I mean, for, if people didn't like season five, say you could probably look at even season three and just be like. And I feel like that's sort of partial to or part of the way that Joss Whedon structured these seasons was they were just really well structured, well built episode one to episode twenty-two. They were self-contained mm-hmm. seasons, yeah. Uh, in a way that I just think speaks to the strength of the structure of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I would give him a lot of credit with this, especially to have a finale for a series slash season that really doesn't hinge on just having this giant fist battle with right. the sure. big bad, right? Right. right. That, I like, mean, that's what I was uh, meant before that it yeah. was sort of it's, it's an end that speaks to to Buffy's whole yeah. character. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I think a lot of other writers wouldn't have went that way. It would yeah. be spectacle over yeah. the character, and that's what why people remember this show more than yeah. other you know uh, shows that deal with the same sort of material. Yeah, right. this was entirely character driven, and it yeah. shows definitely. Yeah. So, all right, shall we put this to the vote? Sure. All right, Joe, what say you? I say yes. Tara yeah. in. Yep, definitely in. All righty, do it is. Buffy, the gift. I have a frog in my throat. <laughs> Season 5, <clears throat> episode 22. You are hereby inducted into the Extra High Great Canon. 
<laughs> I apologize. Dave forgot how to talk. No, I forgot how to. That be was a healthy. callback to the earlier part of the episode where Dave was warning about throat clearing. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. This winner is a loser of the week. <laughs> hey, so uh, how about that? Our winner of the week um, is the late great Elizabeth Taylor, um, who even interpreting winner, and even slash right. especially in death. Okay. Um, she really had her legend affirmed. I feel like the the outpouring of appreciation for her, and just the fact that she engineered to be late to her own funeral, mm-hmm. I thought was one last sort of classic old <laughs> Hollywood move that is worthy Wait, she of what. She she uh, arranged it so that her funeral would start late. Oh, because she wanted to be even in death late to her own make funeral. an entrance. I see. Make an entrance. Um. So and there just of all the. Uh, retrospectives and clips. I feel like the one that I still think is the best is uh, that Barbara Walters interview where she gave where she was white haired and she was asked uh, how she would want to be remembered on her tombstone. Have you ever thought of what you wanted on your tombstone? Here lies Liz. She lived. No, I don't like Liz. I hate that name. Well, here lies Elizabeth. She hated being called Liz. <laughs> but she lived. <laughs> like that to me encapsulates everything I like about Elizabeth Taylor is just sort of that combination of oh, Hollywood self-importance with this really undercutting of, of wit and sharpness. And I loved her. Tara, who's our loser of the week? Our loser of the week is uh, Michael Hogan, who played... Ty in the Battlestar Galactica reboot, and who somehow was not cast as John McCain in Game Change this week, even though he looks exactly like John McCain. Uh, Ed Harris got the part. Should have been Michael Hogan. I can't imagine why. John, he should fire his agent for not getting him that role. John because... McCain shouldn't be secretly sexy, like Ed Harris at least has been. What? <laughs> wow. I feel like... Joe. You don't we are that... learning a lot about Joe this week. <laughs> you don't think that's true of Ed Harris? No. Really? Ever? Have you seen Appaloosa? No. Is that... That would kill it. Ed Harris seems like... God, that movie is so terrible. He seems like he smells like cigarettes and he might have applesauce (laughs) in his pockets. Yes, he does. You got any applesauce? I got some right here in my blazer Well, I feel like if you feel that way, then he's kind of perfect to play John McCain then. Because don't you feel that way about John McCain? (laughs) That he has applesauce in his pockets? Applesauce in his pockets seems to me kind of Yeah, you got a point. You got a point. Okay. (laughs) It's a good burn, Patrice. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway... Tough luck to Michael Hogan. Should have been you. Do you know what time it is, guys? Well, it's game time, I think. It's game time! Last one of the season. Yeah, is this one worth like five points or something? We'll see. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Do we need like scorekeeping implements or anything? Yeah, you probably should keep score. Can I have the back of one? All right, so while they're uh, talking about that, I will tell you, the audience at home, what we're playing. This week, courtesy of Eric R., thank you very much, we are playing a game I'm calling Colon Exam. Colon Exam. That's okay. right. Here's how it goes. That's not what I signed up for today. (laughs) I am going to read you the name of a movie sequel 
with the franchise taken out. Oh. It will be in blank colon, and then what came after oh. the colon, I will read you. All right. First person to shout what that is. Oh, no. Okay. We'll get the points awarded on what <laughs> movie that was in the series. Oh, oh wow. Direct sequel, two points. The third one would be three points. Oh, my. Oh. All right. You magnificent Are we shit. ready to play? Yes. Colon exam. Yep. Yes. All right. Not colonic? <clears throat> Number one, blank the next day. Halloween. Blank the next day, Tara. Dude, where's my car? Porky's the next uh. day. Number two, blank the quickening. Highlander. Joe with Highlander for two points. Two points. Nice, Joe. Number three, blank colon. <laughs> In it to win it. Bring, Bring it on. on. Joe got Bring It On for four points. points. Number four, blank, Hell on Earth. Hellraiser. Shit. Blank, Hell on Earth was right. Number three. Uh, Three points, points. sorry. Three points. All right, number five. Fuck. Blank, The Great Valley Adventure. Land Before Time. (laughs) Joe's killing this one. (laughs) Two points. Yes. Number six, blank. I think we all should get this one. The Last Stand. X-Men. Correct. Three points. Number seven. Blank. The Dream Child. Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. Five yes. points. All right. Let's do score break. Joe. <laughs> um, um, Joe has 19 I points do. by my count. Yes. I have zero. Wow. Yes. <laughs> Where have you been all my life, colon exam? <laughs> Number eight. Blank. Colon. Extinction. Oh, oh, Resident Evil. Four points for that one. Number nine, blank, colon, better watch out. Blank, colon, better watch out. Santa Claus? Nope. I don't know. Candy Close. Man? Rudolph? <laughs> Silent Night, Deadly Night, colon, oh, better watch out. That's Third, a good third one in that, that, that series. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is a good one. Blank, colon, the marsupials. <laughs> Kangaroo Jack? <laughs> You're never going to get this. I can't believe this is the title. I, I should have looked this up. I kind of even don't believe it. I don't know. The Howling 3. Wow. The marsupials. <laughs> wow. Marsupials howl? Huh? Marsupials don't howl, do they? Well, I don't These know. ones do. Howl from their pockets. <laughs> Number 11, blank. Full throttle. Charlie's Angels. Shit. Two points. Blank, colon, season of the witch. Oh, oh, uh, uh Blair oh. Witch Project. Halloween? Oh. Three points for season. And Woo, on, on the board. board. Score break. Joe no, has wait, 25. Wait, 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 wait. We're not ready for the score break. Number 13, <laughs> blank, the cradle of life. Oh, oh. Uh, Stargate. No. Uh, oh, it's not deeper tongue. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Lovercraft Tomb Raider. Oh, shit. Cradle of ri- life, not rife. Not, or not rice. The either. Scooby-Doo is not rice. hosting this game time. <laughs> Robin Fortbean. <laughs> Rank, Urban Harvest. That was blank, Urban Harvest. Children of the Corn. Yes. Correct. Well, Tara got Children of the Corn. Three points. Thanks. Score break. Previous game time. Score break. Uh, Joe has 25. Yes, I do. I have six. See? Catching up, maybe. No. No. Shaking head. 
Number 15, halfway through. So there's still time. Right, Number 15, right, blank, right. colon, marauder. Blank, colon, marauder. I believe super straight to video. Starship Trooper. All right, here's one we should get. Number 16, blank, colon, the new batch. Oh, oh gremlins. gremlins. Tara got it, yeah. gremlins. 17. For two, for two, right? Yeah, for two. Yeah, sorry, two points. Okay. 17, blank, colon, high voltage. Blank, oh. colon, high voltage. Crank. Yes, nice. crank, yes. two points. Number 18, blank, colon, Tokyo Drift. That's the Shit. Yep, three yes. points. Number 19, blank, colon, lost in New York. Oh, hold on. Hold on. I think Tara got that one. Yeah. Two? Yep, two points. Number 20, blank, Dawn of the Dinosaurs. Blank. Oh, um, oh, 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 shit, Ice Age. Yeah. Correct, three points, Dawn of the Dinosaurs. Number 21, blank, seventh inning fetch. Airbud. Joe got that one, and that was worth four points. Nicely done, Joe. All right, score break. Um, 32 for me. Wow. <laughs> 50. All right. Okay. All right. Number 22 going into the home stretch here. Blank colon the rescue. Blank colon the rescue. Benji? Jobs? Close. Free Willy. Uh. <laughs> Number 23. Blank colon back to the minors. Major League. Joe got that yeah. one. Three points. For how many? Three? Yep. Number 24, blank, colon, annihilation. Mortal Kombat. Yeah, Mortal Kombat! <laughs> <laughs> For number, how many? Number, uh, sorry, two points. Number 25, blank, colon, the smell of fear. Oh. The smell of fear. Ace Ventura? Mm. No, it was uh, Naked Gun two and a half. Yep. Mm. That was Do worth I get two and a half points? Sure. <laughs> Sure, asterisk in case it's a tie at the end and I get reamed on the it's not, comments. It's okay, not. number 26, blank, colon, the secret of the ooze. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Two points. Number 27, blank, colon, trinity. Blade. Three huh? points. All right, score break. I've seen that one too. 5, 10, 15, 20, 20, 30, 30 40, 44. And a half. Two. And a half. <laughs> and a half. Yeah. A well-known 43 and a half. I counted, I gave you the full. Oh, okay. oh no, no, no. 43 and a half yeah. to still 15. Okay. Yep. Number 28, blank colon, the undiscovered country. Star Trek. Star Trek. Tara got Star that, Trek. six points. Wow. Number 29, the penultimate question, hmm. blank colon, the new blood. Oh, oh, uh, Friday the 13th. Correct, seven <laughs> points. <laughs> And last one, mm. blank, colon, mission to Moscow. Police Academy? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Seven points for Police Academy. Final score, we know Joe won, but let's see. How much? I got 28. 28. Two. 50 51. Something. 51. Nicely 50. done, Joe. So 50 and a half. No. Fine, 50 and a half. No. Oh, Joe, this Joe, is an important job. moral victory this is for an you important moral yep. victory. leading into the start of the new game this time season. This gives me some confidence for the new on season. Number 25 job, next Thank week. You. you killed that one. 
Well done. And thank you very much uh, to Eric R. That was a great one. Yes. Excellent. Thank you. Very good. Good, good one. (laughs) Joe. (laughs) Well, that's it for another episode of Extra Hot Great. We took a look at the upcoming movies we already love and hate and agreed it's always a happy day when Kim sends us (laughs) the most awesome thing she saw on TV last week. We agree Joe is definitely not a crackpot for suggesting movie theaters should have headphone jacks in them. And Buffy's The Gift was inducted into the canon. We crowned winners and losers of the week, and Joe was a winner of this season's final game time. Thank you to Eric for game time and Matt Houston for the canon. <laughs> let me, let me, just let me have that one. <laughs> you can send us audio, email, and comments and follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Go to Extra Hot great.com to find out how remember we're listening <laughs> I am David T. Cole and on behalf of Tar Ariano yeah and Joe Reed yes thanks for listening we'll see you right here next week on Extra Hot Crate and Tara don't think I forgot Nothing's gonna ever keep me down. Nothing's gonna ever keep me down. Congratulations, Tara. You're the best around. I know.